Hello, everyone. My name is Luke. Welcome to a special edition bonus episode of the Cherry Hills Church podcast. Myself and Jenny Elliott are your hosts. Joining Luke and I today is Pastor Brian Schwarber. He's with us in the hot seat to address questions about unanswered prayer. Brian, thanks for being here. Wow. Thanks for having me. So official. Like, it's great to join you. I have listened uh, throughout this series to the podcast. It has been fun uh, to to listen to you deal with some difficult questions. And so it's uh, it's a privilege to be with, here with you. Yeah, we're excited for what's ahead. So let's just start diving in with kind of fundamental reality uh, that each of us experience in prayer, right? So sometimes we pray uh, fervently, unselfishly, persistently, and we're met with what seems like nothing, silence. What we pray for doesn't come to pass, and we're left uh, scratching our heads, searching our hearts. And so the, the foundational question that we want to get to today, and I hope this will address some of the questions uh, that were submitted uh, all about unanswered prayer, is why do we experience seemingly unanswered prayers? Yeah, that's the question. That's the question. And I, I feel like I'm going to burst your bubble and disappoint everybody right out of the gate by saying most of the time we don't get the why we we don't find out the why and philip yancey he's an author who's written a, a book on prayer that i would recommend and also written extensively on suffering he has this quote he says i found to spend much time dwelling on the why questions does little good the bible itself moves past the emphasis from the past to the future not why did this happen but now that this happened, what can I learn from it and how should I respond? And so when I, when I embrace that reality, which I agree with, I agree with Yancey, in the end, unanswered prayers bring me face to face with the mystery of the profound difference between my perspective and God's perspective. And so I, I always go back to Isaiah 58, 8 to 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so I, I think what I would encourage everybody, God doesn't mind that we ask why. He, he doesn't mind us wrestling with these difficult questions. I've just discovered that that's not the most important question, and it frequently leads me to this cycle of um, just taking me places I don't really need to go in my relationship with the Lord and doubting him and questioning him. Um, it, I don't get the answer to the why, and therefore it never makes me feel better to pursue the why. Mm -hmm. I've just mm -hmm. discovered it leads to really a dead end mm -hmm. that doesn't help me in my faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that scripture doesn't seem to uh, focus itself on the why. Um, why do you feel like scripture may be uh, perhaps less interested in exploring the question of why, which for us, it seems like, I mean, this is the, you know, it's the, the first and the final question we want to consider when it comes to unanswered prayer or suffering or anything that we might experience. Uh, we we want to dive in. We want to go, you know, uh, go down that path and ask the why questions but it doesn't seem like that's maybe the pattern that exists within the Bible. Uh, why do you feel like scripture doesn't tend to go there? And maybe what is, is beneficial? What can we learn about that? Uh, learn about unanswered prayer from that? Yeah, I, 
I think the reason the why is not always provided, and particularly in scripture, it's not provided, is because we could easily turn uh, a relationship with God into a formula. And if it was structured in a way, if scripture was structured in a way, and I think I would love this, right? On the, on the surface, I would love it, right? I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you guys have got into that, but like, I love accomplishment and my lists and checking things off. But if the Bible was written in such a way that said, Hey, if you pray this way and this way and this way and this way, you will either get the answer you want, or you will understand why God answers the way he does. It would turn a relationship into a formula. And God is more interested in a relationship than anything else. The greatest gift, we've said this in the series, the greatest gift of prayer is the relationship that's developed with the Lord. And I think that would be taken away if we were told, here's how you can discover the why. Yeah, I, I also think that there is this reality to the freedom that we have to wrestle and grapple with those questions. So I, I totally agree with you, Brian, that as, as humans, we want to know the answers. We want to connect the dots. We want to be able to check that off and move forward. And we want to make sense of something that just doesn't make sense. But I know that, you know, when I found myself in a, in a period of grief um, and loss with, when we lost our first son, it didn't make any sense. And one of the things that brought me great comfort was the book of Job. Um, that book is such a great place to go. You just see Job wrestling. He, there's horrible things that have been done in his life. And, and I encourage you to read that story in the Bible, but you see him ask and question and wrestle. You see him grieve and be sad. And that just gave me permission to feel all the things and, and know that God was with me in it. Um, even though, um, it didn't look neat and tidy and pretty and I couldn't put a bow on it. Um, God welcomed that. And I think that that process is not something that we can circumvent. It's something that we have to walk through when these unanswered prayers are in front of us. Yeah, that that's really helpful to hear. And I, I would reiterate, um, it's okay to ask the why, but if getting to the why is the end of your destination, you're going to be left feeling unfulfilled and empty. And, and like you just said with Job, God does not mind that we ask that, but Job didn't end in despair because he didn't understand the why he, he said, yet I will praise the Lord even when I don't understand. And so that's a, that's a big difference, whether that's your, your destination or an invitation into um, worshiping a God that you can't fully understand. Absolutely. And I think in that same season, when um, I, I landed on a similar handle that's very close to that Philip Yancey quote, but um, I just remember coming through medical reports and talking with the doctors who were so gracious to unpack what had happened, which was one in a million kind of infection that our son got shortly after birth and um, unpacking those questions and wanting to understand and then coming to this handle in a book I had read at that exact period, um, which was you have to move from the why to the what now and accepting that I didn't understand somehow made God that much bigger. And I had to determine whether or not I could trust him. And I'm so thankful that he was able to walk me through a process where I could have my firm footing in him again and, and understand that his promises were not only true for me, but for my son. And just walking through that process um, made me realize 
how big God is and how human I am. And it just made me that much more in awe of the things that I can't understand about him. And, and that in turn really, I think grew my faith and continues to grow my faith. Yeah. I, I love the language you guys have both thrown out there moving from uh, why to what now uh, invitation, not destination. I think that's really helpful. Uh, and Brian, you, I think you've, you've said already that we're just not going to know sometimes and which is a common theme of our podcast. We've said repeatedly, it's a mystery. <laughs> so that is just par for course for us. Um, could you speak to anything though, where we, we may have some knowledge or some understanding of maybe perhaps why a prayer has gone unanswered? What would prevent that from happening? That's something we might be aware of. Yeah. The Bible does speak into this uh, a, a little bit. And, and what I've always said is the Bible uh, provides us with what we need to know. What What is not provided, the Lord must have thought it was okay that we did not need to know that <laughs> to follow him. And so we we have what we need to know. And there are some prayer blockers. Uh, Jeff talked about this a couple weeks ago. And I think what happens is when, when a prayer goes unanswered, the first thing we do is we want to blame God. Why did this happen? God, why did you allow that to happen? What's going on here? And, and I think a better a better strategy in those situations is to self-reflect first and ask the question, is there anything in my life blocking this prayer? And so throughout the Bible, there's a few reasons listed why prayer goes unanswered. James 4, 6 says, because of our pride. James 1, 5 to 7 says, doubt. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, a bad relationship with my wife. Mark eleven twenty one and Matthew 5, 23, 24 talks about a strained relationship with someone else. James 4, impure motives. Isaiah 58 and Proverbs 21, we are not concerned for the least of these, the poor, the widow, the orphan. So we're not going to be perfect. And I'm not talking about being perfect here, right? Like Jesus and the Pharisees, when they, they bring the blind man in front of, of Jesus and they say, who sinned, his parents or him? Why is he blind? And Jesus says, it, it's nobody's fault. It, this is for the glory of God. We don't do things that cause unanswered prayer, but we don't want to block the relationship with the Lord. And these are things that can block our prayer requests sometimes. So the Bible's clear that there are some things we need to self-reflect on and then confess. And we are cleansed and God hears our prayers and the relationship is restored. But I also want to say this, and I, I just came across this a couple weeks ago, and it has been so significant. We ask for God to uh, help the widow down the street, to uh, heal our city of the racial division that's been uh, plaguing us. We ask God that um, our next door neighbor would hear about Jesus if somebody would just be willing to share the good news with the person who lives next door to us. You know, we, we ask these things and then they don't happen and we say, God, what are you doing? This seems to be according to your will, and it's biblical, and it's honoring to you. Why isn't this being answered? And I think sometimes we're the answer to the unanswered prayer. I think God doesn't just snap his fingers and make it happen. He's waiting for us to enter in and join him in his mission to set things right and to bring his kingdom to this earth right now. And so we're the answer to some unanswered prayers. And when we can get our mind around that, it will change our participation with him right here, right now. Yes, yes, yes. I want to jump out of my chair, Brian Schwarberg. 
That is the truth. It's the truth. Luke, you call this incarnational living often, but this living the scent life, we are Jesus wherever we go. And I think it is much easier for us to point the finger at someone else and say, I think they can, they can really meet that need when oftentimes (laughs) the Lord is saying, Hey, um, I've called you, I've called you to be my light and my presence and my hope and my promise in this world. We are the plan. And I just love that you said that. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. And I think the, the Bible also, um, speaks to this current reality that we find ourselves in, that we, we live in a world that God is sovereign over, which doesn't mean that he just sets everything in motion and then kicks his feet up and uh, allows it to happen. It means he's involved, he's in control. Um, but it doesn't mean that everything that God would want to happen on this earth is what happens, right? He doesn't uh, long for us to sin. He does not want to see children die. He does not want to see domestic violence and abuse and racism and 140 million orphans in the world. That is not God's will. So even though he's sovereign, his will is not always carried out on this earth. And that's because we live, uh, we live with an enemy who prowls around and wants to kill and steal and destroy. And, And so an idea when it comes to unanswered prayer with this is that God is sovereign. He's over everything. But we read in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, Daniel prays for 21 days for God to help him. And then 21 days later, after he started praying, an angel shows up and says, oh, I heard your prayer on day one, but I've been fighting with a prince of this world for 21 days. I couldn't get to you until now. Man, there's something there that can give us eyes to see that when there is unanswered prayer, there might be more going on than what we can see. And we live in a world where things are not as they should be. And it's because we have an enemy. That is so helpful. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're we're these modern people, right? And so I don't find myself uh, very often conscious of reflecting on the spiritual, the cosmic realities of the world in which we live. You know, I think it's easier to take, uh, Christian faith, Christian belief as um, the bits about um, the man Jesus and forgiveness and the afterlife and the moral code. But then when we start to think about the cosmic struggle that all of scripture, especially in Paul's letters, speaks to, uh, that gives us a new dimension, a new way of understanding what is happening with uh, the conflict that exists within our world, that we're not just uh, struggling and, and wrestling against flesh and blood, but there really are spiritual forces. There, there really is a heavenly realm in which uh, conflict is, uh, is happening, conflict is taking place. And so our prayers are entering into that space of uh, con- contested ground. And so I think there is something along those lines that can help give us a bit of um, I, comfort and, and hope, I would think, uh, in the midst of some uncertainty about the efficacy of our, our prayers. Absolutely. There's power. There's some mysterious, we'll use throughout the word again, (laughs) power in this, that God has invited us to pray these prayers, to work in conjunction with what he's doing, both in the heavenly realms and in what we can see. And we just don't always get it, but we can choose whether or not we're going to participate in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, to what you were saying earlier, Brian, 
you know, it's true. We we do we live in this spiritual world. The church is um, this this missional outpost. We are on the cusp of uh, the new age of the kingdom of God, and so we are the people who are awaiting and inaugurating uh, the era where God's righteousness fills the earth, where His justice rolls like a stream. But until then, you know, I, I, we're reminded. I think of Isaiah, right? The the great vision that he has, where there he's he's up in the heavenlies. He's at the throne of God, and God is, is saying among the host of heaven, who am I going to send? Who's going to go for us right now? Uh, and so perhaps God's message to us when we so often feel the pain of uncertainty, of unanswered prayer, is I'm, I'm sending you. Go, do something. Be, be me, be Jesus in the world around. Uh, perhaps there's a, a calling and a mission for us right in the midst of what seems like like unanswered prayers, perhaps that's actually a, a sort of commissioning, I would think. Yeah. And, and I want to speak into, you just, um, you just had a beautiful line. You said, you know, how does God feel when, when these prayers go unanswered? Cause I think a lot of times we just think cosmic being no feelings, like it's going exactly how he thinks it should go. But if we know we live in a world where God's will is not always carried out and he doesn't, want sin. He doesn't want the abuse. He doesn't want the orphan. He doesn't, that, that is not his plan A. And, and so we, we sometimes think like, well, what, what does God think of this stuff? Cause if he's in control, he must be okay with it. And, and I, I remember after our daughters died, uh, I was studying John 11 when, uh, Jesus, uh, waited four days, Lazarus, his really good friend, Lazarus had died. He'd been dead four days. He gets to Bethany, the Lazarus sisters come out and like, Jesus, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Jesus again says, no, he died so that God's glory might be known. And he, he goes and stands in front of the tomb. And there's this little line in scripture that says, uh, Jesus wept. I joke, my boys joke a lot. That's their favorite verse in scripture because they, <laughs> yeah. they memorize it so easily. <laughs> so uh, Jesus wept. And I remember after my daughters died. I did this study of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus and him weeping. And so we know he has emotion and we know he has feelings. He's a real person and Jesus is the fullness of God. So we know that must be God as well has emotion and feeling. And the original word of Jesus wept is he snorted like a horse at death because he was so bothered by it. And so it's not just this sad Jesus, although I think that's a component of it, but this angry because the world is not as it should be. And so um, you get these questions sometimes like, well, where's God when this happened? Where was Jesus when that happened? If he was there and part of it, it wouldn't happen. And so we bring together, right, this God's sovereignty, but not everything on this earth is according to his will. And we have an enemy. So how does God feel about it when these things happen? right now. And and the game changer for me was seeing that, you know, when I was in the operating room and um, seeing my daughters who had no breath in their lungs, where was Jesus? And when, when Luke Elliott died, where was Jesus? And the orphan um, at the orphanage in Haiti or Ethiopia, where's Jesus in that? And what I've come to discover is that Jesus is right there weeping and angry about the situation because things are not as they should be. And he wants them set right. 
But man, we have an enemy that wants to do everything he can to keep that from happening. And so Jesus is with us in those moments. He's not, his silence does not equal his absence. Mm. He is with us and he's just as broken by these things as we are. And, and when I realized that's the savior that we follow, that's where I got to a place where I didn't need to know the why. Mm. Because he understood exactly what I was, was going through. I'm sitting here wondering who needed to hear that today, Brian. Um, which of you listeners need to know that Jesus is with you in your pain or your unanswered questions today? Um, we sure hope that this place has been somewhere that you can come to ask these questions and to wrestle through um, just what is going on with your prayers. But what a way to conclude mm -hmm. this special podcast series. But just to remind all of you that as you cultivate your prayer relationship, you can acknowledge and understand that Jesus is with you wherever you are today. That's right. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much, man, for being here. Thanks for talking about such a uh, a sensitive and complex and uh, mysterious topic with us. Uh, I hope for everyone who's been a part of this journey with us the last several weeks, it's been helpful uh, and encouraging for your life of faith and prayer as it has been for each of ours. So thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.